Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to a new Nerder She Wrote. This week, no Dave Dufour, so I got the keys. Mo Dekeel with me as always is Seth Part now. Uh... Now basically running Stats Bombs. That's that's the correct name of the company. Yeah, uh, the, sure. I'm running it. We'll go with that. Yeah, no, because I didn't take works. enough time to look up your new title, so I just said <laughs> Seth runs it. Now that's that's the <laughs> definition of how I look at things. Um, today and in this week's show, we have a real special guest, Shell Capati. Did I say it right? Shell Capadia. Shell Capadia. I felt go. like I was close. I it's told okay. you I was going to screw you tried. it up. Yeah. Shield Kapadia <laughs> coming with us from the NFL side of the athletic. Birds with friends writes on the NFL for the athletic. Make sure you read all of his stuff. I should mention Birds with Friends, Eagles podcast. So all Eagles fans, you should already know this and be aware of it. Make sure if you're not, make sure you're jumping on it. Shell, how you doing, man? Good. It's uh, it's good to be here. Little little change of pace from sort of the NFL bubble I, I've been in. We'll mix it up a little bit. So look forward to talking to you guys. Well, I do just nobody's going to see this, but the America's team dream team poster in the back right there. That's already right. we're off to a good start. <laughs> That's right. When you set up a new office during the pandemic and your mom and dad are like, you got to get this crap out of here. You're in your mid 30s and you get a bag and you're like, wait a minute, I still have this sweet dream team poster. This is going up on the wall, baby. So, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's gotten quite a few compliments. So thank you, mom and dad, for not throwing that out. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. So everybody's probably asking, like, why the hell did the nerd or she wrote guys bring an NFL guy? Onto their podcast this week. It's an NBA show. We're on the NBA Athletic Podcast Network and all of that. But the reason why is, and I, Seth and I were talking a lot about the Jim Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, go for it on fourth and one to seal the game against Kansas City. Now, for those who aren't football fans, this was the Sunday night game. It is the uh, Ravens are up by one. In a situation where they could have either punted the ball, they had their ball on their own 43-yard line, 
and Harbaugh looks at Lamar Jackson, ask Lamar Jackson, excuse me. Harbaugh looks at Lamar Jackson, asks him, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And hey, they go for it. That's that Lamar said, hey, I want to go for it. They go for it, get it, seal the game, win the game. Shell, just off the bat, like, what'd you think when you saw that? Yeah, you know, I had a good sense they were going to do that. You know, I did a, uh, a big story on John Harbaugh a couple of years ago and how he used or uses data analytics with his in-game decision making. And uh, it is an analytics decision, but it's also, you know, sometimes this stuff just is kind of like if you just, you know, ask your neighbor or something, would you rather have the best running quarterback in the NFL and an offense that's been gashing the opponent on the ground, try to pick up one yard to end the game? Or would you try to, or would you rather try to stop the best football player on the planet and Patrick Mahomes from scoring and try to win the game? And it's like, <laughs> well, all right, when you put it that way, I, you know, I think I know what we want to do. So um, I was not surprised, you know, I, if, if there were a team that was going to go for it in that instance, it would have been the Ravens. Now, having said that, as you guys know, the NFL is behind pretty much every other sport with a lot of this stuff. And so if you look at the data over the last 10, 20 years and see similar teams in a situation like that, do they go for it? They don't. Normally they punt and say, let's pin them back towards their own end zone and let's try to get a stop here. So in that sense, uh, it certainly was uncommon, unusual, whatever you want to, whatever phrase you want to use. I have a question about that is, is that sort of the conventional wisdom of pin them back? It seems like the way the NFL has gone over the last, this parallels the NBA a little bit too, is that the environment is so much more pro offense now than it used to be that even if there was a point where pin them back was a good strategy, it's now, well, especially against Patrick Mahomes. All right. We got 30 yards of field position. So that's a play and a half. So why, why yeah. bother? Is, yeah. Is, is it, that, is, it's true. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, the, the NFL uh, favors the offense, the rule changes they've made in terms of, um, you know, going over the middle for wide receivers, what's deemed unnecessary roughness, what's deemed a penalty. You can't have your hands on a guy past five yards. So you're absolutely right. Some of these teams who have that kind of traditional thinking and, you know, maybe they're older coaches, you know, they might be uh, 70 years old and the way they coached the game when they were coming up, the way they were taught by some of their idols and people they really respect. Well, it's just different right now. And so you do have to adapt. Even a guy like John Harbaugh, I mean, I'm sure if you looked at the decisions he was making uh, five, six, seven, eight years ago, they were really different from the decisions he's making now. So it's that applies to every coach, right? And regardless of the sport, are you adapting to the way the game's being played now? Are you looking at the current trends or are you just sticking to kind of what you learned uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Well, just are you seeing more of that divide now with younger coaches feeling more like, all right, hey, I'm in it. Let's go analytics. I'm I'm ready to roll with the numbers. We're going to go for it. Uh, are, are, and it's divided that way where it's like the older coaches aren't like because like Bill Belichick did this against the uh, Colts a long time ago right. and didn't get the the. Uh, the, the the first down they 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 turn the ball over Peyton Manning gets the ball and scores and they lose the game but he's thinking in that mindset of analytics so are you seeing more of it as a, a young young coaches and older coaches or what I, I don't know that it's old versus young I mean you see some of the younger coaches come in and they're you know the most conservative uh coaches in the NFL even you know somebody like um you know Kyle Shanahan 
of the San Francisco 49ers. Like if you look at the way he coaches games, he's not aggressive with his in-game decision-making and he's sort of the face of some of these uh, new school coaches. So I think it just depends on the person. I think it depends on the organization. I think it depends on the job security. You know, I, I've I've covered the Eagles and there was a situation during their Super Bowl season in 2017 where their owner, Jeffrey Lurie, kind of gathers all the reporters off to the side after a press conference. And he wanted to explain, listen, we're going to use the data and we're going to be very progressive with this and we're going to go for it on a lot of fourth down. So they're not all going to work out. And so when you're questioning the coach and you're writing about this or asking questions on a Monday, just know that like he has my blessing and this is the way we want him to coach. You have other coaches, they don't have job security. Right. right. We know that we know they think about it. I mean, they're thinking as a great, especially football, it's always been weird to me where it's this, you know, aggressive, like alpha sport. And then it comes down to it and they're like, well, what happens if I don't get it? Well, like that's every decision you make as a coach. I mean, it could go one way or it could go the other way. And they're thinking, all right, well, then I'm going to have to answer for this, this and this. And so I do think depending on the coach, the situation, the organization, uh, a lot of those factors that it's not just about what gives me the best chance to win. A lot of those other factors do kind of, um, you know, factor into it. So you said an interesting word there, which was adapt, and 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 mentioning the with respect to Harbaugh, you've you've talked to him a lot about this. What is, is sort of did did it, did it was it clear to you sort of when how the light came on that that you know, or is it he's just always been a guy? Okay, I'm convinced this will help me win. So who cares what anyone says about it? Yeah, I think, you know, he, he said that he always he's not like a math nerd or, you know, anything like that. He hasn't always been this way, but he basically just said he always wanted the maximum amount of information to make good decisions. And so I think uh, Baltimore is pre- a forward thinking organization in terms of analytics. So I think you get more people in the building. And I think what they did that was really smart was it was like, you know, people on their coaching staff. There wasn't this big divide where, hey, uh, analytics staff, you're over here in one section of the building. We'll meet with you, you know know, uh, once a week or once a day or whatever it was like, there were people, uh, on his staff coaching linebackers, but also in charge of game management. So now all of a sudden it's a little bit different. You know, it's somebody who knows the X's and O's and, uh, knows what you're trying to accomplish with the game plan, but is also saying, Hey, you know, this is going to give us a great chance to win. So I think just over time, he looked at it and said, all right, I should be looking at more of this stuff. And a lot of it is, you know, sort of what you mentioned, Seth, in terms of offense, like, the coaches that have a I'm always baffled by the coaches that have a great offense and don't buy in completely. You know, even somebody like Andy Reid, you look at it with Patrick Mahomes, this prolific offense, they're not like on the forefront of this. I mean, they, they make some baffling in-game decisions where they take the ball out of his hands or they'll kick a field goal when you're saying, what are you doing? You know, this guy's unstoppable. The opponent's going to be thrilled if we kick a field goal here, but that's what they're doing. But uh, I know the Ravens a couple of years ago, their offense was fantastic. Their defense was going through some growing pains and they actually had a game at Kansas City early in the season. And so they went into that game saying, listen, field position doesn't really matter. We know we're not going to stop that guy. And so they're going for it for two point conversions. They're going for it on fourth down. They end up losing the game and Harbaugh is getting crushed locally, you know, but local media, sports talk radio. And he has this press conference. He's trying to explain to everybody what he's doing. Some people are getting it. Some people aren't getting it. Well, fast forward like three months later, I go down there for to do a story. They're 14 and two and they're the analytics darlings of the NFL. So, uh, you know, with football, especially it's hard to look at process 
process over results because every week feels like a season where you feel like the team's either uh, on the cusp of being the worst team in the NFL or winning the Super Bowl. But you do kind of have to take that scope with it. Seth, are you having flashbacks to you trying to explain analytics to people? Are you having moments of like, oh, I know this feeling? <laughs> no, no comment. No, see, but, but no, there's a reason. I mean, the reason I wanted to, to have Shal on is, is because, uh, uh, you know, that story about the Ravens, like that's something that, you know, the, the analytics community, quote unquote, across sports isn't that big. And we all kind of know each other. And so there are teams that sort of become, you know, in, in hockey, it's our Kraken because they went very analytics forward on sort of. And in, in the NFL, it's our Ravens. And, you know, just the, the description of how it's not just a repository of information. It is a integral part of the process from, you know, game planning Monday morning all the way through that, that that's, it's, it's built into the, it's built in that, that, okay, there are other things that go into the decision than like the pure numbers. Like, you know, our, our offensive line is beat up. Their offensive line is great. What, what all these other things, but at least you sort of know the, you start from the standpoint of, of, or not start, but you, you know what all else being equal the the statistics say or the 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 past results have been and so it's sort of it, it's built into your game plan and your process and so it's not you know oh that was the you know the the the, the dumb analyst Derek Derek Yam lost us that game it was like no we collectively worked together and uh and and you know this was the our collective decision and the best way to win. And that's the only way it works because otherwise, like you said, it becomes like, okay, this group over here is doing football and this group over here is doing some something else. And right. so it's you just naturally like the football we're a football team. So we're, we're prioritizing football instead of it all being part of, of, you know, trying to get to the best thing. Um, a, a, a related question. You meant uh, uh, Mo mentioned Belichick. He's sort of been very coy. It feels like, and it strikes me as there's no chance in the world that that guy is passing up the opportunity to get any slight edge ever. But he's a guy who's like, oh, I don't believe in that stuff really. Uh, and so when you're talking about Harbaugh having a press conference trying to explain himself, I can just see Belichick was like, Yep, nope, we're dumb. Yep. No one tried to do this. Where is that? Am, am I off base there? Or is that, uh, is that yeah, sort no, of your read no, of it too? I, I think that's, I, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, anyone who thinks they're not using everything they can get with data or whatever in terms of game planning and scheming and everything like that. I mean, you look at those, uh, you know, the Brady teams that were so good. One of the analytics ideas is, is throw the football on early downs because the defense, you know, they've got some run stuffers out there. They don't know what you're going to do you're in an advantageous position. Like don't wait until third down to try to pick up a first down. And those Brady teams did that uh, year after year after year. And then just in terms of what's sustainable year after year, you know, in in the NFL, the defense is kind of looked at as more volatile where it can change from one year to the next, who the best defenses are offenses. If you maintain the same quarterback and play caller, like you're probably going to be in the same position and that's going to lead to success. So those are some of the things you saw throughout. Now, in terms of, Game management, like he's definitely a little bit more on the conservative end, I I would say, you know, he's not usually um, up there, but yeah, in terms of like, you know, that's just one aspect, of course, as you guys know, uh, of analytics, there's so much more that goes into it. Yeah, like I, I could see some coaches saying like, okay, I can take this part of the math. But I don't want to mess with this section of the math. It's it's yeah. almost the uh, dark arts, like when you're going through the library and whatever 
movie genre. Are, are, you, are, you, are you making are you making a Harry Potter reference? Actually, no. I was doing a Doctor Strange reference. <laughs> okay. All right, fair but enough. you could take right. Harry Potter. My daughter's right in the other, you know, and she would love to hop on. And if we're doing Harry Potter, she's the expert in the house, not me. So just <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 going with the uh, the Doctor Strange idea of just you're going to deal with these powers, but not so much these. And I think sometimes I. I feel like we see some of that with the NBA sometimes, Seth. Like some teams are are, are not, you know, they'll, they'll they'll take part in some of the analytics, being like, "Hey, we got to get more free free throw rate up and things like that," and 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 focus more on that, and then at the same time be like, "But we're okay with long twos." Like well, or or we're we're okay with we're okay with the quick two at the end of the yeah. game if we want to like get into you know the 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 comparison to kind of the the Andy Reid kind of end of game sort of clock management shenanigans it's just like any time in a basket we've we've covered this several times on this show but anytime the announcer says well they don't need a three here. They needed a three thirty seconds ago, like on, on the clock, just because. And so the bias towards like conservatism and those sort of like the the kind of the extend the game scenario, but the overall, yeah, overall efficiency, great. But when it comes to these like real high leverage situations, I don't believe it because doing something unusual is going to get me, you know, killed in the media. And let me you know, ask. It's, it, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let me ask you guys this question, and and this is just something I thought of now, so it might be incredibly stupid. Um, but the the concept of like, does analytics make you more risk, more of a risk taker than risk averse? Like, does it, it is is that what we're seeing more with a lot of these coaches? You know, we all know it's re- relatively conservative coaches. We've said it many times. Is that just the thing? Like with with the numbers, we feel more comfortable taking those risks. Yeah, I think in football, it's just sort of, you know, there's been this tradition, uh, you know, sort of built in where a lot of these things have been done a certain way for so long. So I don't even know if it is, you know, really, it's not taking a bigger risk because it's giving you a better chance to win in in one aspect. But they're looking at the other end of it, where if this if we don't get this here. It's something different. It's something everyone's going to be talking about. I have to explain it to my players. I have to explain it uh, to the rest of my coaching staff here. You know, they're going to be thinking, what is this guy doing? Uh, the leadership, you know, how is he making these decisions? He's listening too much to the analytics guys. So, you know, it, it kind of depends on what does, de- you know, what decision you're looking in. But really, uh, you know, if you're looking at it, just what gives us the best chance to win and you're making the decisions based on that, then it's kind of like the more uniform way, uh, you're the more uniform process to make those decisions, if that makes any sense. 
No, I think I think there's 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 like I, I think you put the sort of the two answers to that question exactly right. Like on one level, it's you know there's risk no matter what, right. and and sort of it's okay. We're you can you can be being too conservative is a risk, just as being too aggressive is a risk, and um, sort of being empirical about it is is hopefully weighing those risks to to minimize them, to get to take the least risky, to give yourself the best. If, if risk is measured at chance of losing the game, you're trying to minimize that or, or maximize winning, depending, you know, in sports with ties, it gets, it gets funky that way. Um, the other aspect though is I do think that, uh, strategies that are kind of seen as riskier, uh, kind of the more proactive strategies, uh, going for three earlier in basketball, going up for it on fourth down in football, pulling the goalie in in hockey um uh bringing the closer in before the ninth inning in baseball like these are like the, these the, those sort of doing the thing earlier which is probably seen as aggressive i think that that across most sports um the 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 study of of kind of the history and the statistics has indicated that teams are I mean, in the paradigm of conservative, uh, which is doing what we always do versus being more proactive across sports, there is a, a strong tendency towards that kind of conservatism and, and not doing the thing, uh, you know, not, you know, not bringing the closer in in the seventh inning, even though there's two men on and you're and the number yeah. three hitter is up or something like that. So. So, yes, I agree with you on, on in, in, in framing in those terms, Mo. Hey, Seth agrees with me. We can stop the podcast. We can call it a day. This is it. actually for the year. We're done. Um, we're going to continue on. Uh, oh, I, so then do we think this is going to push more teams to start going a little more the analytics way? Like we saw it in the NBA, right? Like the Rockets got a lot of credit for being very much analyticals. We're taking the uh, the uh, competitive advantage of it. We're going to shoot a ton more threes because nobody else is. And, and that's going to give us our edge. Do we think we're going to start to see this from more and more NFL teams or do we think they're just going to continue? They're so set in their ways. It's it's like they can't change. Yeah, it's slow, I would say, but you, you are, you're definitely seeing it. I mean, if you just look at the last couple of years, even this year, I mean, there's a, the Denver Broncos coach, Vic Fangio. I mean, this guy is as old school as old school gets. He's a defensive coach through and through. He's been the most conservative coach in the NFL. If you look at some of the models over the last two years and week one, uh, he went for it on fourth down three times. And so I was like, all right, if Vic Fangio is going for it on fourth down, something is happening here. And he even said in his headset, you know, they've got all the coaches on the headset that like people on his guys on his staff were saying like, what, no, what are you doing? Like not here because <laughs> right. you know, they're a certain way. And he was like, no way, you know, we're going for it. So I do think there's a change. They're doing stuff like, um, you know, if you're down 14 in the fourth quarter and you score a touchdown, now the thought is you go for two the first time because you have kind of a 50% chance to convert the two-point conversion. So rather than just playing for a tie, now you're giving yourself the 25% chance to actually win the game if you score that second touchdown and just need the extra point. So like these are things that I would say three years ago, uh, no one was doing. 
two years ago, it happens once and the announcers are just flummoxed. What in the world is going on here? You know, one year ago, it's like, all right, wait, we've kind of seen a couple teams do this. And now this year, I think if you don't do it, you're kind of, you know, now it's like, wait, this coach does it. Why isn't he going for two here? So you are seeing that change. I think it'll take time. I don't think there will be anything um, as drastic as, you know, threes and uh, threes and layups in the NBA or anything like that. I, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of what that we, we kind of had that already. I mean, the, yeah. the extreme tilt towards towards passing. And, I was going to say. Yeah, that's, that's the, the yes. I mean, that's the, you know, the, the, the low hanging fruit has sort of been, you know, you didn't, you didn't, it's kind of like Mike, Mike D'Antoni didn't need analytics to say, hey, no, wait, let's play faster and shoot threes. Um, right. you, you didn't need, you didn't need like the, the people that the, the smart student of the game gets to the same place that, Hey, this works. Yeah. We should do it. Um, and then, and then, you know, you study it and, and yeah, they were right. And, and they didn't need the numbers because like that's the, that's why, you know, certain people are kind of geniuses that way is they can, they can experience yeah. it and intuit what works and kind of just do it without right. needing kind of the detailed study. Yeah, I think they're trying to figure that uh, that part out with stuff like, you know, there's just like sort of, uh, I, I don't want to say human element and sound like the traditional, you know, non-analytics, <laughs> yeah. you know, with, with like offensive linemen and can their bodies withstand pass blocking 60 times a game. And if you are going to do that, do you need to build more depth? Do you need to rotate guys in? So you're right. Maybe those are some of the things that in the next um, several years will happen. Then you have a team like the Ravens who they're kind of zagging uh, versus the passing, you know, the the passing trend in the NFL because they're saying we can build the most explosive and efficient run game in the NFL, and you know, not every team has Lamar Jackson, but we can put up passing like numbers with the personnel we have. So um, that's what's fun about sports is you sort of look at it and see where those trends go. And, and so I want to kind of shift to another aspect of it. I know it's it's kind of funny that we're talking about this one play, but like literally in that moment from when the play was called to when it was ran, like I felt like so many different sports things happened, you know, and at least that hit me in my mind. But the one I found even more compelling than the numbers, you know, and I'm sorry, Seth, you know, the analytics and stuff, but the more compelling thing I found was just the trust Harbaugh had. And it got, and, and everybody talked about it on the, on Twitter. It was all over Twitter. We saw it, you know, but Harbaugh's looking at Lamar going like, Hey, you want to go for it? Do you want to go for it? What do you want to do? And, and that's an element of trust that I don't think, you know, it, if, if he doesn't have that, I don't think they go for it, right? For Even if it was somebody that he, he, he as talented as Lamar Jackson, but if he doesn't trust Lamar Jackson, he's not going to make that play call. Like there's an element of this player-coach relation that I think carries over really through every sport. But what did, what did you guys see from that? Either one of you can jump in first. Yeah, I think there's definitely a culture aspect to it um, for sure. You know, in 2017, I saw it with that Eagles team that won the Super Bowl and they were the most aggressive team, I think, on fourth down in the NFL that year. And I remember asking some of their players, Zach Ertz, the, the tight end, like, hey, are you like aware of the data behind this, the math, the analytics? And he's like, uh, no, I don't really care about that. I love that the coach is just like, I trust them. They're going to go out and get it. And you know what? If they don't get it, the defense is going to be fine. You know that? 
That's like a, that's a better way to play than to be playing scared and thinking about what's going to happen if we don't get this. So I, I definitely believe in that aspect of it. Now, I guess it could go the other way if you have like a split locker room and your offense sucks and you're getting stopped every time and your defense <laughs> is going out on the field. So that's why I do think you have to know what kind of team you have and, and cater the decisions that way. And I do think coaches have a tough time with that. Sometimes honestly evaluating their own team and what they're capable of. But as long as your offense is good, um, or reaches a certain level, I think it does work. And the Ravens play, I don't know if you guys saw their um, team account tweeted out like Harbaugh's, you know, post-game speech in the locker room. And what I thought was really cool was he said uh, in that moment, it's fourth down and he's getting a linebacker's coach going, you know, tell him, hey, you better go for it. He's getting a cornerback saying, we're going, you know, we're going for this. Everyone, you know, everyone knows, hey, this is the type of team we are. Like they don't have to, like he didn't have to ask Lamar. I mean, he, right. everybody, he knew what Lamar was going to say. He knew what he was going to do. That was just kind of what you said, but it just breeds this culture of like, people aren't surprised when you're wishy-washy, when you're doing it one week, not doing it the next week, then all of a sudden it's like, what is this coach doing? Is he just going by his gut, you know, every time? But when you have a process, you explain the process to the players who want to know about it, or they just feel like, hey, he trusts me. Then everyone on the team from the most conservative guy, from the most defensive minded guy to the quarterback is going to say, yeah, we're going for it. You know what? We can live with the results if we don't get it. So I I do think that definitely matters. It would be really funny, though, if he did ask him and Lamar was like, yo, get the punter out. I'm good. That would have been the moment of the year. Patrick Mahomes, please. (laughs) Um, So there's an interesting kind of almost this is this is a, a we're in a we're in an interesting place in in basketball right now where the role of the coach has in many be in in sort of the player empowerment era the role of the coach has become for a lot of teams has been much more of a of a of a of a of a guide you know it's it's the what the model in education is is it the sage on stage or the guide alongside and that's and 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 the the football is probably still much more the former like the coaches like you know the god king kind of uh but in 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 basketball um and we've seen this you know lebron was probably one of the people leading this um so i'm surprised i'm 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 always surprised when when kind of the a back and forth between a player and a coach, a coach asking the player what they want to do or the the player kind of going back and forth with the coach about what they should do. I'm always surprised when that becomes a big thing because to me that's healthy. That's 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 you know, especially in 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 a, you know, a a continuous sport like basketball where you know, well, well, what I'm seeing out on the floor is this, and you know, my expertise and experience and, and feel for the game suggests we should try that. Um, for the for the top level players, like that's an opinion you, you you I think you you're crazy if you don't listen to that. You know, they yeah. like you. Um, it's in in football. There's probably a little bit of a difference in that. You know, you have the people up in the gantry, up in the booth, who can really see everything in the way that the players in the field might not be able to. So that 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 input comes in. But in I gotta think that the you know the guy with the ball in his hands in a basketball play knows what's going on. If he's if he's a high level decision maker, he knows what's going on, on the floor so much better than the coach does. Yeah, I mean, it's something that like, just look at this year, what we saw with Monty Williams and Chris Paul, like that was kind of like a great synergy there and and, and the trust of going back and forth. 
you know, like I, my experiences having been through basically on the coaching staff, you know, like I've seen it when a, a coach completely trusts his guys. I've seen it when a coach doesn't trust his guys. I've seen it from a coach that doesn't even bother, you know, and doesn't even want to consider their opinions, you know, and I've seen, you know, the d- different results with all of those things. So I think the ultimate thing is, you know, when when you're seeing it, it's just that extension of the coach on the court, right? And we always kind of relate it to point guards, but sometimes I think it's the big guy or whatever. It's it's, And we talk about it a lot, Seth, in terms of organizational alignment as well, right? Like, being on the, the the owner, the front office, the coach, and your stars all being in line, I think is a key thing. And I think that was a really kind of the eye-opening thing. And, and, you know, I get it in football. Like, you see this a lot with – I mean, a lot of teams, I'm sure, have this kind of camaraderie where – I'm in L.A. I hear it all the time about Sean McVay and, and Stafford now developing that chemistry and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. Or – you know, Frank Vogel talking about how much he's missed Rajon Rondo's voice in the locker room, right? And being able to go back and forth. It's it's those coaches that I think that have that ability to connect with their guys, listen to their guys, and sometimes they're going to argue with their guys, I think have the most success in the NBA. Yeah, I don't know if anybody wants to fight me on that one. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... Like it requires a certain level of stubbornness or arrogance to not like say I mean Seth when you're saying it it's just like yeah that seems like a normal thing to do right like like oh yeah I have this unbelievable player who's you know pouring over film and who has had so many reps at this throughout their life and is fully invested in doing what's going to help the team win. But you know what? I think I definitely know better than them. I don't want to hear anything about it. And so, um, yeah, there are a lot of examples in football, whether it's a, you know, a safety who's really smart, who's seeing something that the other team's doing and comes to the sideline and they look at the tablet or a quarterback making a check out the line of scrimmage. I mean, there has to be uh, that trust, the relationships. I, I think in football, the days of like the drill sergeant coach, I mean, there still are a handful of them, but I mean, that is just like going by the way, wayside. You know, it's, it, it's become, it hasn't become fully like, like the NBA uh, for sure. You know, it, I think it is uh, different, but still, I, I do think most coaches realize that you have to build relationships with your players. You want everybody on the same page. You want to gather as much input as you can from the leaders, the players who, who really know what they're talking about and can help you win. I mean, the bottom line is just what, what can we do to help us win with all this stuff, with analytics, with input, with everything. And it seems so simple to say, but then you look at the way some organizations run or so how some coaches operate and it's like you're not doing everything you can uh, to try to win. I mean, you might think you are, but it's obvious that you're not. And I think the most important thing is uh, my last lesson with this, this whole thing too was, you know, put the ball in your best player's hands, you know? And I think that's kind of the thing when I looked at it with this play was we're just going to give it to Lamar. He's our best player. You know, we talk about it all the time, Seth, in the NBA games, right? Game on the line. You want to put it in your best player's hands and let them make the play and, and so on. If you have a great defense, maybe you just say, all right, screw it. We're going to punt. Our defense is going to stop them. Like it's it's different in each scenario. But that's kind of the, the ultimate thing, too, is the last day I kind of lesson I took away from this fourth and one play. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out, birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids and 
honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Okay. Uh, let me just ask you, because you're in Philly, we got to ask. And and it kind of goes along with trust, you know, but man, how are you feeling about Ben Simmons these days? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought you guys were going to feel, I thought we we're going to lead this. You're going to tell me there's going to be some amazing trade on the table. It's all going to work out. Uh, it's all going to be okay. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't honestly, think that. I, I don't yeah. think that. No, it's, that's, that's not what I think. <laughs> it's gonna, not gonna but, but so no, but we, we, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the hot topic in the NBA right now. I mean, aside from whatever's going on in Minnesota. Uh, so we also we, trying we, to trade we, for Simmons at the same yeah, time. Yeah. So, so we, uh, so, you know, we, we wanted to get away from talking from being all Ben Simmons all the time. But, you know, since you're in Philly, we've talked about Ben Simmons for a little bit of the time. Is 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 the sense there that it's just done? It's over. It's got to be it's got to end. Or is there is there is there like some hope that uh, it can be put back together? I know Doc Rivers has sort of tried to mend the fences that he, you know, uh, lit on fire <laughs> in, in his in his post uh, post uh, playoffs press conferences last year, but it it seems it seems difficult. Yeah, no, I mean to me, it seemed like since a half an hour after their season ended, it was like, all right, it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Is he going to be traded? What are they going to you know get back for him? I mean, it just seemed over the one play, of course, that everybody's talked about that sticks out in everyone's mind. Like that's going to be the image of it, and then it was like, all right, they're going to move on. But at that time, it felt sort of different. Like, all right, they have a whole off season. They have a GM who you know should should have a plan for what he's going to do here. They've got a superstar still to build around. It's not like the cupboard's bare and you're rebuilding. But now here we are. <laughs> with, with training camp about to open and there's still no resolution. So I think the frustration from the fan base has just been like, you know, do, does the guy care about uh, 
how much does he care about getting better and improving his weaknesses? And is there this mental psychological block? And is there any way around it? But in terms of him playing for the Sixers again, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that seemed unlikely for a long time now. And we'll just sort of see, uh, I guess, see how the weeks ahead play out. I, I have no idea how it's going to play out. I've tuned out a lot of it. I just want the, you know, tech, <laughs> I just want a flurry of texts on my phone one day that there's been some resolution because it's kind of gotten to the point where like, you know, the reason you guys have beyond that you can only talk about it uh, so much every hypothetical <laughs> trade has been thrown out there unless someone has just a completely out of the box idea that no one has thought about which i don't think that that trade probably exists well i think this is something that's going to go for a while so brace yourself okay yeah bit. me no me too because i don't think like um you know the the to you know get back to we talked earlier about like some some like coaches not caring if the media makes fun of them for a decision like Daryl Morey doesn't care like he like of amongst the NBA the, the general managers in the NBA who are willing to play this out in order to get not just not just make a trade to make a trade but to right. get okay we have an all-star player and yes the the like situation is is bad and and his like his reputation isn't good right but we have an all-star player we're not going to trade him for spare parts just to trade him. Good. Um, and that's and and so fine if we if it's if it's six weeks into the season, we don't we don't win the championship in November. So kind of kind of you know we're going to make the playoffs. We have we have four months to get whatever right after we make the trade. So let's get a good deal. I think that's 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 my strong sense. Now it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a trade before the season, but. It, it, but it's not going to be a it's not going to be an oh my god we have to do this now it made me feel better wow i'm going to send this to all my friends i'm going to i'm going to just play this <laughs> podcast on the streets here and uh that's good that's how you should approach it right i mean yeah you shouldn't care well, I mean, about the drama it's it's what it, when is the move um you know you should be if you feel like there's a path to get a better be in a better situation than there is if you make a decision right now then yes you should wait and you should be able to deal with the drama that might surround what waiting means job security is a hell of a thing yeah, like you like said earlier like no exactly. like, like daryl daryl is daryl's bulletproof so he can he can play this he he can you know it's it's not a situation where the interests of the franchise and the interests of the individual might diverge yeah. Um, so that makes it, that makes it kind of easy to do the right thing. Whereas, you know, it, it, if, uh, if, you know, you're, you're, you're GMing on the hot seat, um, you might do some things that are ill advised. And we've, you and know, we've how, seen it. We've, we've seen, seen it. it. How many sports have we seen it in where, where it's a guy crazy. makes a trade, to, uh, makes a trade to shave his job? And, you know, what are the, you know, how often do those work out? Now, it's, if you're going to get fired anyway, a one in five chance is probably worth it, but yeah. it's probably not worth it from the standpoint of the, the franchise. Yeah, yeah we, I'll we, never we, understand it. Like you said, it's in every sport, but I'll never understand in the NFL when it's like, you know, the owner's unsure about what to do about the coach GM. They have a top five pick and it's like, well, you know. We'll see how this year goes. Wait, what? This is like this, you know, this is going to set the path. How do you do that? For Yeah, your your um, goals are not aligned. The owner's goals in that situation are not aligned with the people who are trying to keep keep their job and save their job. That, that just happens time and again in every sport. I mean, just analytically, how often does the Hail Mary pay off? That's what these trades are sometimes. Some of these yeah. coaches trying to save their jobs or GMs with the Hail Mary trade. And it's like, okay, like, 
Yeah, you took a swing, but you also set the franchise back five years with that. And that's where I think the owner's got to come in and go and like, nah, I just got to fire you right now. This ain't going <laughs> to work. Like that's, we're not even going to snap the ball on the Hail Mary on this one. I think, fellas, I think we did a good job here. Seth, how do you feel without another episode without Dave? I, I, I you he know, get nervous. He should get nervous. I, you know, I think I feel like we cover new ground when Dave isn't here. You know, it's a Dave. David, I'm going to make a wrestling analogy for Dave, oh, but fuck. there's a, you know, you got to, you know, there's an expression in wrestling. It's like I got to get my shit in. You know, I got, <laughs> I, I got to have my moves, and and you know, maybe when Dave is on the pod, we just all have, we all try, we all got to get our shit in. But now we, uh, we, 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 we have with some new blood here. It's a, it's a new, it's a new matchup, and uh, we've given people something they haven't seen before, and I like it. Well, Next time I'm coming ready with like 10 fiery NBA takes, you know, you guys yes. are going to you guys are going to ask me about some, you know, playoff NFL game and a team going for two. Like, well, before we get to that, let me tell you why. And, you know, we'll uh, you, it, it, it's going to be unbelievable. We'll let you run the podcast. We'll, yeah, let you, we'll let you run the podcast. Shell, just tell everybody where they can find you. Plug all your plug all your stuff so I don't forget something. Sure. Yeah. It's at Shield Kapadia on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I got my uh, picks against the spread column is up there where I just look at every game every week. And then on Tuesdays, I write a column on The Athletic just with my takeaways from the week that was the last week's led with the Ravens and the, the decision that we are talking about. So I definitely love the game management stuff, the analytics stuff. So I weave that into uh, everything. Excellent. Seth, everybody go pre-order the mid-range theory from Seth, you know, buy him a new boat. Um, let's do all that good stuff for Seth, for Shell, Shield, Shield. I was I'm close. I'm so close. Shield. Finish strong. And, and, and me, I'm out. Everybody have a good week. <laughs>